0: Welcome back to the OPEX Podcast, where fitness is explained. I am your host, Robbie Burke, and I'm joined on today's show once again by James Fitzgerald. On this episode, James and I discuss integrating strength speed work into your programming. This was a fantastic episode with James, guys. It is jam-packed full with information, as always. I know you're going to love it. Stay with us. All right, Fitzy, we're recording, sir. Hey, buddy. Strength, strength, speed, and how to incorporate it into programs. You got an hour. Go.
1: Okay. Only 2% of you should ever touch it. There we go. Close it down.
0: We're done. I love those controversial uh, little, little uh, what are they called? Uh, sound bites. Like, uh, what should people do for bodybuilding? And you just, or for, for, I just gave it an answer. <laughs> you were like, what should people do for crossing? You just go bodybuilding and you just walk off.
1: Out. Yeah. I think it makes All people right. think about it
0: uh no seriously i'll give a bit more of an intro so um yeah yeah, the topic for today is going to be how to integrate strength speed work into uh fitness program designs and just so you know i have my notes here that's why i'm looking across here um ebook came out recently free ebook download which will be in the show notes as i've said to you just before we got online i read through it made my notes this morning and very impressed with it um the, just the way the information was delivered and the aesthetics of the ebook is amazing. Like you'd pay for this little ebook, like it's it's immense.
1: Yeah, that's important, right? So that the communication can get across. You gotta commend our team for that.
0: Definitely, definitely. Now, actually, before we get into the topic, just to be polite, what's what's new with you since we last spoke? What's what's been going on?
1: Uh not much really. Um, yeah, nothing that's been really surprising or would be of. Uh, relevance to being excitingly new, Um, Mm. just been um, continuing to teach the people that are currently going through OPEC CCP. Um, As an example, last week, I had a call for the um, cohort group that was just finishing up um, their CCP. Mm. Um, And then another call for groups that were uh, brand new to the cohort um, and so Jim and I did that call for people starting, um, also had, a a call with our, um, um, licensing group, um, a full team call, had a full call on, um, Monday on, uh, uh, working with our licenses on discussing case studies and keeping them up to par, had a really great case study analysis of an avatar of the 35 to 40 year old um we called it the the avatar was the lost female Hmm. um and it was a it was a fascinating uh avatar case study which we became really specific with them but um, it was great when
0: when was that when did you do that
1: that was two weeks ago maybe
0: was jim on that call no no no, because just we did a podcast lately and he brought up he brought up the example of like the kind of well, it wasn't quite. An 40. yeah, an avatar okay. of a high powered female who like was looking to get back some like empowerment or life, and I was just like, where did he get that?
1: From? Oh, no, no, uh, he wasn't. Uh, but you never know, it could have been in the discussions for all of our groups. but it just seems that a number of those uh, that at uh, that avatar is pouring into our OPEX gyms. and uh, I think it's important to wrap principles and framework around how to approach the design from a, from a language, from a business language. Mm. Um, so we can really understand where everyone's coming from. So we talked about their history and their generation and, and, their social ramifications and what they grew up in and why they're presented where they are and, and how you wrap that into understanding their why and fitness. Mm. Um, it was, it was excellent, fascinating. So nothing big and new, but just, uh, just keep okay. rolling, still rolling
0: just before we hop in now to the strength speed topic um, mm-hmm. just for the the audience i think it, it's because uh, there might be one or two out there who actually do want to know how many do you know how many affiliates opex affiliate gyms you actually have right now
1: uh 60 and yeah. i think it's 55 to 60 something like that and i'd say by the uh, end of the year we're looking at 80 something um yeah. opex Maybe. gyms yeah
0: yeah, 100 was the target, wasn't it? So
1: Yeah, I think 85 or 88 is the number we're going to go after, and 100 Sweet. was the target, so. Sweet.
0: Good. Sweet. And the majority of those in the US, I know, Drew in Manchester. Yes.
1: Right? Yes. Um, we have uh one in Australia now? And right. we have uh numerous in Canada. Um and right. um there's a number of them now in uh in Europe, uh, mainly in UK. Sweet.
0: Sweet. Yeah, so but I'm one sure. Swedish
1: individual on board for uh, the new upcoming
0: one. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, and again, for the audience, I'll have all that linked up if, um, people want to contact OPEX about that. Yeah. Um,
1: so lots of information on that one for everyone.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so strength speed. Um, I know you're a fan yeah. of Eric Cressy's strength speed continuum video, which I'll put yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's get into the topic. Cause I know it's, it's a topic. Uh, you get questioned with an awful lot of time. First of all, there is a lot of confusion. And even myself with like the, the, the like the, semantics of strength speed and speed yeah. strength and then like because some people say oh strength speed and speed strength they're velocities on a velocity based team they're actually not biomotor abilities they'll say strength, explosive strength explosion they're the biomotor and strength speed and speed strength are just ways to measure them through velocity and then it gets a bit confusing but anyway yeah um i think what would be good is defining strength speed just for this conversation anyway even if it's not like accepted universally it just so it gives a little more reference point for the audience
1: yeah, for sure. We will. Well, we want to invest. Well, we want to put in some notes too for people to to go back and look at those uh, the different languages. Because I think what coaches and the I guess the public needs to recognize is that this language on the investigation of different forms of contraction have been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's just that people said you know use different terms, right? So uh, SIF drew up. Numerous diagrams to allow people to understand what that looked like. That's Mel Siff and Super Training Um, and I know that um, Kramer's book with uh, Zatsiorsky has a really great representation of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Eric Cresty's YouTube video. Brian Mann, as you know, has a fantastic velocity-based version of what those contractions look like. So, yeah, it's important before I embark on it to say you know, go out there and see how people just call it something different. Mm-hmm. But it's important then because you can see what the what the differences are from one end of the spectrum to the other. So the way that I describe it is on one end of the spectrum, we're calling it absolute strength. That would be very high loads. Uh, the weight is not moved as fast, and the intensity is proposed to be the highest on that mm-hmm. end of the spectrum. So in classification, you can think of a deadlift as being something that sits within absolute strength yeah um now in order in order to define what strength speed is we have to know what's just to the right and further forward than strength speed because you have to find an intricate in between because um, i think what science wants to do especially strength coach is that we want to just attach percentages of load from that absolute strength to define what's inside of strength speed and that's not necessarily correct so so in absolute strength, as I gave context, that would be a deadlift. Uh, next is strength speed, but speed strength, which follows that, and then into absolute speed, the load per contraction starts to, starts to diminish. And if you're considering that load is based upon intensity or intensity is dictated by load, then the intensity lowers the further you get away from that absolute strength portion of the continuum. So what is speed strength? That would be some of the moderate or lowest loads moved at a much faster rate. And then absolute speed is the highest speed, the lowest loads and moved at the fastest rate. And so then where does strength speed find itself? It finds itself right in the middle of the highest load and moderate to lower loads moved very quickly. And so that's where strength speed categorizes snatch, clean and jerk. You know, and barbell movements in which you're, you're, trying, to, you're trying to do strength speed um, in most cases to develop not only the gross motor ability of moving load, but trying to move that load quickly. Now, in order to move a load quickly, um, you have to have two things in place. You have to have an intent, which, of course, as you know, is a deep rabbit hole on activation, but there yep. has to be an intent but you also have to have an intent with a certain speed that goes with um, that movement and that contraction. Therefore, you know, just to make sense of it, you can deadlift 500 pounds, but it's going to be fairly hard for you to create the highest amount of intensity with 310 pounds on that same deadlift. But if you try to move the 310 really quickly and the barbell speed increases, then now it's, it's getting into classifications of strength speed. So that's why we classify things in strength speed with the classic lifts of snatch and clean and jerk or all their derivatives. There's actually some other ones that fall in there just due to fitness. um, And the modalities used in fitness, like a kettlebell swing with a specific load can be put into strength speed. A thruster can be placed in there. Quasi touch and go efforts or barbell cycling activities can sometimes be placed in there depending upon the load. Um, And so,
0: yeah i'll stop there just out of interest so and uh, just again for the audience all that information that james spoke about is actually in the book in terms of outlaying that absolute uh, or that um, yeah absolute strength to speed continuum um the the uh, force velocity curve is an interesting concept because a lot of people look at it and you know think the further we go to the right-hand side, like force goes lower and, and velocity goes up. And for 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 the most part, that that uh, concept is correct. But actually, if you look at things like top ed, top um, top-end sprinting, force actually doesn't go down; it goes it goes up. Now, load mm-hmm. go, load goes down. So mm-hmm. so if you called it the load velocity uh, curve, it would be correct. And then another thing I just want to get your thoughts on too is. What about eccentric contractions then? Because we know that actually velocity and force actually go up. Again, load could be down, but but uh, like, so like what sort of consideration should we take into that in terms of programming if there is a large eccentric component to it?
1: Yeah. Can we come back to the first point you made there and then make yes, sure you reiterate the second question, yeah. but I couldn't get, I couldn't, my mind couldn't get past the first point. I think what the the clarification is, because it's, it's not just semantics. You raise a good point, but I think what, you know, what, um, let's say whoever decides upon that continuum, what it looks like, mm-hmm. what they're talking about is the amount of force per contraction. And so if you have, you know, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's like running with the heaviest load on your back and then running with less loads over time. And yeah. that's what I, where I think, you know, your, your point does make sense that force doesn't always, you know, correlate with changes in velocity as people start to sprint but I think, you know, that's where sprinting as an absolute speed piece sometimes creates some, you know, problems with semantics on it. Yeah. Um, but I would agree that load, as I said, load always can allow people to classify where things sit in there.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, now re- recap your second so the, uh, question. The second,
0: so, no, you're, you're perfect. It's fine. And the second one question was, so again, with sort of the force, force velocity curve, um, concentrically we know that force or if you like load goes down as velocity goes up but eccentrically that isn't the case actually velocity and force go up eccentrically. so just in terms of of program design and um, programming dose responses depending on the client like h- how much a consideration should, should that be again it's going to be obviously very dependent on the modality you're prescribing but have you, obviously you could, I mean you're you're the guy who thinks deep about this so, so I imagine that's come into your concepts you're, you're thinking at some stages
1: yeah, um well I, I I'm still not sure how that comes to be because in my mind um velocity doesn't increase with eccentric activity in, inside of a context of load because under under higher loads um the eccentric mechanism and the survival mechanism of the motor unit is actually slowed. So if 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 load diminishes and load goes down, then yeah, you can have higher speed in an eccentric, in an eccentric area.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Does it make sense? So I didn't understand when you said in eccentric work, you can also have high velocity. Does that make sense? If, if load is high, then your velocity is low in an eccentric endeavor.
0: So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking about like, going down slow eccentrically in an exercise i'm talking about like so if you land from a depth jump or yeah that's reactive
1: okay reactive if ability if you're mm-hmm. jumping
0: down like eccentric so you have you actually have high force and velocity with that mm-hmm. or if i just do a normal counter movement jump like i go down fast enough yeah you're storing then obviously the kinetic energy like
1: yeah so i'm calling that reactive strength um and you may have to come back to ask your question again um but i'm calling that <laughs> reactive strength um and which, in that case which, there which actually I, isn't which but I to your point, energy in, energy that, energy. In, that, in that area in reactive strength, arguably, I mean this, you know, it's hard to study it, but there's not there's not a lot of eccentrics that go on. There's an isometric survival component, and then a release of that stored energy to re, to go in the opposite direction. So, what you're calling in reactive strength, um, if it looks like there's an eccentric activity, um, it really is a survival mechanism of a massive isometric, you know, trying as hard as possible to hold on. And then a release, which you know um, reverses the action to go in the opposite direction. Um, and so, to your point, yeah, in reactive ability, or I would call that, especially if it's a repetitive action, I put those into classifications of speed strength activities mm-hmm. because in speed strength activities, you have a coupling and multiple repetitions of a coupling, uh, where yes, the what looks like an eccentric activity being higher. It is still is higher, but the load is very low. Right? So yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and the- I think we're saying the same thing. We're just trying to create language on what it, what it, what it is. Right.
0: But, and and the reason why I think this is a prudent conversation is, again, and you'll appreciate this. I was actually walking, when I was on my walk this morning, and I was thinking, like, about some of these questions and then semantics and how to formulate the questions. I was like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have this problem in engineering or medicine for most no. because our language is the same. Like, whereas th- this is another kind of, like, excuse, excuse my French, but this is another kind of fuck-up yeah. of our depression. is like, yeah. nobody agrees on exercises. And I remember Mike Boyle, was like, you know, how are we supposed to get respect when we're calling <laughs> callin things, like, you know, like... You know, like these weird, you know, like what well, dead bug isn't a bad name, but he was given like you know funny names for exercise. and he's like, you know, medical people looking at and say, why would you like? That's a ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. get any respect for that? And we can't even agree then on semantics. But now, the reason I yeah. asked, that, the reason I was going to bring that up too is in the ebook, it actually says that strength, speed is made up of three distinctive qualities, and it was starting strength, exposure, and reactive ability. So then, when I read that, I was like, reactive ability. In, like, in, in strength speed, so that's why. And then you said you'd classify that more as a speed strength. No, no, you got yeah. you, Carl, to spoke with a few guys, so maybe there's some different thought process. Yeah, there. no,
1: I did not. Uh, I, I, can, I can look over the principles inside of it, but I didn't write it. Um, and I'm not yeah. gonna, you know, pull myself out of it for that point. But I want to I argue that point just to make sure that we're clear. I think that the, the variables that make up the ability to express strength speed the most effectively is motor control. Um, motor control with more tension over time Mm. and then moving motor control with tension to a maximal contraction in a high load, low speed, low force development uh, position. Mm. That's the prerequisites to express strength speed the most effectively, not just the most effectively for one time, but the most effectively such that it can be expressed for a really long period of time and you can recover from it Yeah. And it leads to an increase in strength, speed, ability over time. Mm -hmm. So I would not, I would disagree with the fact that, um, I'm not sure what the wording was, but that reactive or explosive strength is a prerequisite for that. I think it's secondary to the expression of it once absolute strength is built to its maximum.
0: Sorry, that's if, if I said that I'm that's 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 not what the book said. Sorry, okay. it, said, it said that strength speed has is has three distinct components to to it as a quality, not 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 as a prerequisite. So it said as that a
1: quality of it.
0: Yeah. So it's saying that that strength speed is made up of starting uh, starting strength ability, explosive strength ability, and reactive ability. Like it says that those three things make up strength speed. And I was thinking that reactability to me now wouldn't wouldn't be in that component. I would have had more towards yeah. It. Speed yeah,
1: I would agree too. the purest in the purest definition of strength speed. Um, it is, for, it's, you know, it's uh, rate of force development, uh, yeah. you know, the cycling ability um, or sorry, motor unit cycling ability or rate coding, I guess you could say for the kind of load that's imposed upon it. So I would put classifications of reactive strength in a speed strength classification.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know in, in super training, like the graph that for Fr- has, he talks about rate of force development. then he has it down as certain strength, accelerating strength, and then explosive strength as, as the uh, mm-hmm. recruitment goes on over the curve. But uh, yeah, sorry. So that, if I, if I said that, that was a prerequisite, that's not what I meant at all. Okay. Okay. So in the book, it says that strength speed is made up of three distinct components. And those were starting strength, explosive strength, and reactability. And then as I read that reactability to me, stood out because i wouldn't have had that as a a,
1: no that that well in 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 naming that should be placed into the um lower load speed strength classification
2: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah um yeah we kind of went so my next question was like so like who should do strength, speed, activities, Uh, and then then, then the prerequisites. You kind of, you touched on that. So the prerequisites, you know, you want to make sure you can actually express some sort of force as you, as you say, go down the well of the nervous system. So Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead with that. So prerequisites and um, even maybe touch on, you know, the deadlift and and squat numbers you'd like to see as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think in the, if we're going to classify strength, speed, we want to create the tone that it all has to be under good movement and good technique. Um, And secondary, we want to say to ourselves, you know, what's the purpose of it for function? And so I would, I would make the argument that um, uh, humans, you know, in, in the intelligent designed humans that are around us today on this planet, I would say there is probably a decimal of percentage point of people that should ever participate in true classification of strength speed activity. Um, the reason being is that it's so far away from function in our definition of function for most humans. It's so far away from function. Arguably, let's just say it's lined up like this. Someone needs motor control, then muscle endurance, and then maximal contractions before they even move into expression of strength speed. Hmm. Most people (laughs) need to spend like 40 years in motor control. Okay. Before they even get to higher tension or maximal contractions. No, I'm talking in terms of function. Like what, what, what do you need to function today? Right. And not everyone's a carpenter. You know, not everyone is a wakeboarder. Not everyone is like, you know, jumping, you know, buildings on a single bound. Like there's a very small percentage of people, including those in sport that have to do that. So I want to prerequisite that with great technique, no matter if you do it or not. And number two, please ask the function. Like, what's the purpose of it? My commentary is always just because it exists doesn't mean you get to touch it. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Uh, uh, sprinting exists. You know, Usain Bolt sprints. Should everyone sprint? No. Just because it exists doesn't mean you should be able to touch it. Does that mean that no human's ever going to have to run 100 meters very quickly? No, possibly. But you still have to create the, the context around what do they need in order for best preparation for function in order to do that. So people need to have a robust amount of experience in absolute strength. Now, I generally say robust amount and there's no. There's no actual, um, you know, uh, booklet that says, Oh, good for you. You know, February 1st, you can start strength speed because you signed off on, you know, what James wrote down and said that was capable of doing it. But so there has to be some, you know, there, ha- someone has to, you know, propose some ideas of, well, what really do you feel is necessary for people to move into that class, into that area? And I generally use a deadlift and a back squat around someone's body weight. Um, you can do it for a few repetitions, the same thing for a strict dip and a strict pull up. And that would allow you to move into trying to express strength speed as much as possible. Cause in most cases, if people can move a load against their own body weight in a hinging or a squat pattern and relative strength in the upper body, a lot of times that creates enough entry, albeit still with perfect technique to allow them to try to do some strength speed activity. Um, and then for those individuals that, you know, are trying to do strength speed activity for sport, or they're trying to do it for uh, coding, or they're trying to do it for force development, or they're trying to do it for, you know, to stay away from absolute strength activity, which sounds kind of crazy, but that's essentially what higher trained individuals do over time is they stop doing as much absolute strength, and they start working on intent and velocity based stuff, because mm-hmm. the intensity is lower, um, which we'll get to that. So. There's, you know, you have to be able to, um, and this is the thing. So if you're like, well, I heard, I just heard him say, I've got to squat, you know, squat and deadlift my body weight a couple of times and I got to do three pull-ups and three dips. There's going to be people on two ends of the spectrum. Those are complaining because they'll feel they'll never get strong enough in order to do that. Well, give it time. And until you get that strong enough then you should be able to do it. And then others that'll be like, well, okay, I'm there. So that means that I can just fully express it as much as possible. Um, you still have to remember that now that you've now that you're probably a decimal of 1% of the people that need to do it. Now, secondarily you have to say, can I express it effectively? Can I recover from it? And does it lead to my maximum potential, whether it's for life or for a sport? And so even though you're allowed now to express strength speed, you still have to be able to do it under correct pretense Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you're expressing it effectively. And I think, I think we get lo- I think it's a very valuable you know um kind of contraction um where the percentages are you know lower than a maximum let's say for a maximum one repetition um and uh I just think that it needs to be treated with care because of coordination and balance and accuracy and all these things that are uh allowed to be placed inside of the contraction due to the percentage being lowered under the 1RM yeah. people just think that it looks more dynamic and athletic and it's just been a big narrative push on strength speed activities from uh, high intensity fitness model over the past 20 years that's why that's why we're even asking this question right
2: mm-hmm. 20
1: years ago we wouldn't have even asked this question right mm-hmm. or you you know if you were alive Robbie um 20 years ago uh you wouldn't have asked me that question
0: well, as an 11 year old eh, excuse me <laughs> uh, what do you think about strength speed well, who is this very chubby 11 year old My God. <laughs> My God, he's pale. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just to let you know, in, in the ebook, there is the, the order of strength development before anyone should go near strength speed. And it does say more control, muscle endurance, strength endurance, then maximum strength. So that is cleared up in the book. Um, and uh, yeah, the wording here was strength speed is characterized by three distinct components, starting, strength, explosion strength, and reactive strength, which we've already we've, we've spoken our thoughts on that. Um, just a, a digression, like, I want to remember this question because uh, it's it's not completely off topic, but you, you know, you often speak about like, you know, uh, what, what is the person's goals and their functions, you know, so for instance, you're like, you're sitting on a desk all day, like you don't need to be doing all ambulance and all that because it's not doing anything to enhance your ability to sit at the desk all day but just one question i have on that like with the elderly and rates of falls like would rate of Mm. force development and like you know if you like low level of reactive ability type training would that filter into your training for that population uh
1: no because uh absolute strength and motor control activity will take care of proprioceptive issues as well as increase immune system strength and tendon um you know all the shit that's happening around the tendons and the joints and head to toe that can be taken care of through uh, absolute strength and motor control activities.
0: Okay. Okay. Cause I, cause I do like, I know there's, there's coaches that still do some form well, alongside strength. They still develop strength. You know, they'll still do some power. Development. Yeah. And
1: my, 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 my argument on that, uh, I've worked with an elderly population in Calgary yeah. at the YMC. Yeah. I was very lucky to be able to do that. Actually I have some funny stories around it, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever find some research that would show like a true long-term definition of a difference. So if you did, let's say, you know, three years of reactive ability activities or reactive strength activities, and then you did three years over here with a, you know, you know how hard that's going to be to create a study to do that.
2: Um,
1: So I always err on the side of, you know, what makes sense for multiple things. So I, I, I I don't look at like what the issue is, is for example, you know, um, um, you would understand this, that a lot of strength coaches, I think, you know, you know, incorrectly look at the main injuries in a sport to dictate what training should be mm. yet. They're not even higher order in their thought process to say, maybe the injuries in the sport are occurring because of lack of preparation, not because of, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe yeah. the the injuries are occurring in the sport because a shit ton of your athletes are out of shape, or maybe the injuries are occurring in the sport because Uh, no one's prepared enough to actually participate in the sport. So now you've wrapped your entire year around a prehab model to stay away from ACL injuries, yet you forgot that really they're not even prepared to play the sport. So you see how circumventing that, this is the same thing for the older population that I would think the safest, the most effective, the one that's going to get the biggest bang for the buck. So immune system function, you know, chances of trying to increase lean mass tendon strength improvements, Um, The ability of self-responsibility in training, this is another thing people forget about, right? They need to become self-responsible. I think that entire group that did three years of pure slow, let me say it, bodybuilding would be far more appropriate for reactive ability and strength improvements as opposed to reactive, actual specific reactive ability. Secondary to that, the central nervous system ability and its coding, you know, the function of it. Um, I think that can be done through just any kind of tension.
0: tension yeah.
1: um, and I don't know if it has to be specific to the kind of coding that's necessary in order to prepare them for that fall, if that makes sense. Well, but we'll never know.
0: Well, r- rate of force development can be developed through isometric and like I mean, that's how, that's how they test it. They're pulling on the, the, the mid-type. Tensiometer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, that's an nice traction But, uh, mm-hmm. no, good point. And, like, so the, the one thing, and this would be a great podcast itself, LV population, probably, something yeah. on some stage. Um, it's funny because yeah it's it's just like every topic he was like this is a great passion of yours james he's like this is also a great passion of yours james (laughs) like we're talking about you yeah um,
1: yeah. well the 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 medium is just the you know getting the dose response of what happens to humans in fitness correct and that's that's what i love discussing so
0: the, listen, I could go down the elderly rabbit hole, but we'll stay on topic here. So um, back to strength, speed. So we, we've covered up the prerequisites. Um, kind of maybe just a little bit like who is it really for? You know, so like uh, yeah. The, let's say like if you do like okay, if you're in the sport of fitness, it's your sport. So it's mm-hmm. it's gonna have to be in there, and it's also gonna have to be trained through particular modalities and exercises, mainly the Olympic lifts. But um if you did have somebody uh general population person and they have hit all those requirements, which you know it is unlikely, but just say they're in that short percentage, um are you happy to prescribe it to them if they've if they've met all those prerequisites? Uh
1: yeah, I might prescribe some things that are uh not, you know, challenging coordination and balance. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I mentioned, like a push press, maybe a thruster with dumbbells, a kettlebell swing. Yeah. Um and I you know, I can sound like an old man saying that, but, um, I am an old man saying it. So listen up. Um, I've, I've done it for 20 years to, to make the mistakes Mm -hmm. of thinking that I'd be looked at as a better coach because I'm, I'm teaching, taking six months to teach a general population person how to snatch, you know? And in the end it's like, why, what, what is this actually carrying over to, you know, like all the the bullshit in your head, right? All the bullshit in your head. Um, Oh, it's going to help, uh, you know, improve their absolute strength because we're moving a weight quicker. Yeah, but actually what you have on the bar is 67%, but in their brain, it's 99%. Yeah. Do you see? So now you've created this compensatory model of their brain perceives this to be so challenging because, and some would say, well, that means they're working at a higher percentage. And I'm saying, no, they're developing compensatory patterns of force development to try to make it work to impress the coach. So if you did simple mechanical movements that expressed it in those things, I think there is a spot to play for those individuals. Now, the interesting thing, Robbie, is that in general population, it can be used in two different methods positively under great technique. It can be used to move people into a metabolic endeavor if they wish to do so, because you can imagine how those three things I talked about could possibly be moved into some more You know, fun, enjoyable metabolic endeavors. And then secondly, it takes this person away from absolute strength training for the presumed higher increase in the central nervous system activation now. Mm -hmm. So as people get older, like you know, you don't lift more intensely and maximal strength more often. You do it less often. So what's gonna fill the gap? It's gonna be lower loads under higher speeds. But you can't have high loads and high speed, which is strength speed for the more advanced person, even if they're general population. So I think that it, uh, back to your point of question, question on it. Um, if you're going to compete in, uh, weightlifting, um, as a sport, then you have to do it. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll go really black and white here. And and unless you're, until you're 25 years of age and you've have, have expressed absolute strength to its maximum, you're going to have a super hard time explaining to me until I'm blue in the face why anyone else needs to do strength, speed, activity, even to carry over to sport development. So if your argument is, "Well, we got 19-year-old soccer players, and you know we saw this research of uh, rate of force development and increase in speed," and I will argue, you know, side note with you for hours as to how only absolute strength training and the sport itself could help take care of decrease injuries, proprioceptive active, you know where I'm going. And at 25 years of age, when they have maximally and I reason why I say 25 is because everyone thinks, Oh, somewhere around 16, a human is like fully developed. <laughs> no, now, now, is, now it's like humans are not even developed till like thirties, right? With mm-hmm. neuroplasticity increases that we're finding out. So prefrontal cortex and, and central nervous system I'm using as like, what's the, when are those maximized? And it's well known. It's between 18 to 25 years of age. So I'm going on the far end of the continuum. So until you're 25, unless I said you were going to be competing worldwide in Snatch and Clean and Jerk, I see no no business for it. right? Now, there's a lot of arguments to that. Um, and I used to be in multiple different areas, a lot of arguments to it. A lot of people would say, the, the weightlifters would especially say, the strength coaches that are huge on weightlifting would say, uh, well, it's just because you don't know how to teach the snatch and clean and jerk. And so they hold this like tool in their pocket as if they're like magicians on what the snatch and clean and jerk is given. And then you it see doesn't, the, you
0: It see doesn't just. Dist- it's fucking brutal anyway. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a secondary point. But you, you, you see, my point is that you, there's multiple ways with a deadlift, for example, or a trap bar to change load and intent and still get force development, right? So, but what complicates things is when people think that snatch and clean and jerk needs to be implemented because of all the white paper evidence and all the brutish testosterone bravado based, you know, shaming on coaches that they need to do it. Yet people are doing it with shit form and ironically not getting any force development. So all the coaches that you know are actually making success. You know what they're doing? Trap bar deadlift bench press, and some great parallel squatting, right? And then they're making sure it's safe and they're not causing any problems. And guess what? Athletes are not getting injured. You know, they're able to develop force, et cetera, et cetera. And those that are pushing way over into the strength speed continuum are causing some problems. So it has to be under the context of great form. It has to be for function. So if you're not a weightlifter, I'd say 25 years of age up higher, it's okay. An area that's squeaking in there now would be a fitness athlete. Because if you want to compete at 17 at the highest level in the sport, you need to be good at weightlifting. So Mm -hmm. now we're classifying weightlifting and all the various derivatives of snatch and clean and jerk inside of that sport as well, which is probably another call because that's a sad state of affairs that we're in where we have underdeveloped humans trying to express things that they should not be trying to express. And it's done for commercial interest. and just like the uh, NCAA You know, your kid is going to be a champion. Same kind of pressures that they're placing within parents inside of facilities now in micro gyms to make that happen. So it's community soccer all over again inside of uh, functional fitness gyms.
0: Oh, Lord. Um, Just to clarify for the audience, are you saying that no one should practice Olympic lifting before 25?
1: Uh, no one should try to express it at its highest level.
0: No, no. Just so you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to like, yeah, but I'd
1: rather go black and white. Yeah. You know, because then people get gray. Like, well, I think he said you could do it. It's like, just don't, don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even, don't even touch it. Oh, can I practice it? Why? You know, so, so that's the only reason for today is I'm going black and white with it. Have I done a lot of it with people before 25? You bet your bottom dollar. But I would just, you know, try to make people think really hard. And if, if the reason why you're doing it is because it exists, that's a bullshit answer. Mm-hmm. If the reason no, just, why you're doing just, it because you want people to learn skills, that's a bullshit answer and a lack of alignment in what they're doing in fitness. If the reason why you're doing it is you are doing is you do not have enough tools in your trunk, get more experienced. Watch YouTube. <laughs> like, there's, there's lots of options out there for exercise selection where people can be safe and still get... Um, contractions that are effective because we're talking about gen population here.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. And even for
1: sport, like try to, try to give me an example, you know, some, some coach in Canada is going to be like, well, my hockey players are doing hang power cleans. I'm like, that's great, dude. If it's great technique and it's all good, you know, I'm happy for you. But I would say that the safer, most effective method to be able to get good force development within the context of not allowing this discrepancy of compensation to happen is to stay in the absolute strength realm. Don't even touch snatch and clean jerk stuff. It's not even... Oh. It's useless.
0: I love when Fitzy gets riled up. It's great. But uh, just a, a few little continuations of that. Just going off your point there about the hypothetical coach with his hockey players. Like, people say, like, oh, well, my guy's are a little more more explosive. It's like, yes, but they also lift. They do plyos. <laughs> they do med balls. They do, hyper- they do hypertrophy work. Which they,
1: makes the continuum perfect, right? Which you
0: know not. I you... Mean, you can't... Like, you've got so many other variables going on. You can't say what to system I know.
1: So what helps it?
0: So. But another question then to you is okay, let's let's remove strength speed and replace it with speed, because again, biologically we're not we're not we're not like gonna get to maximum physical potential till we're like mid twenties, maybe even uh, later twenties. But mm-hmm. obviously sprinting nearly every single sport is sprinting dot dot dot. Like Maybe mm-hmm. dot, dot, being your sport skill. Um so field sports. Fi- yeah, field sports. yeah, field sports.
1: Yeah, field sports.
0: Um so, what would your thought process be on that? Because obviously, the younger people are going to be exposed. Is that a case of like, you know, you're sort of, is that the equivalent of, well, if you're going to be competing in Olympic weightlifting, well, then that, that breaks that rule, do you know what I mean, of 425? So, if you have someone who's playing field sports and they have to sprint, yet they obviously won't be able to maximally express it, they still are going to have to train it to some degree.
1: Uh, I would disagree. Um, the reason why I would disagree is that we're assuming then that it's someone at 26 years of age is all of a sudden next week starting a field sport. But that's not the case the kid has been doing sprinting since he's been nine
0: yeah yeah so is it okay for the kid to sprint since he's nine is what i'm trying to say yeah.
1: he has been because he's been in a sport since he's been nine
0: Well would you sprint someone then if they weren't no
1: yeah no, w- not- w- if they're not doing a sport then why am i sprinting them
0: yeah no no i was just wondering Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it would be the same you, you
1: said you said field sport so i'm assuming you're talking about uh training for a field sport
0: yeah They they
1: should not sprint. Why? Because they're sprinting inside their sport. The sport itself and the sport practice, since they've been nine, they've developed that entire end of the continuum all by itself to almost probably its maximum. Now, the only way that continuum is going to continue to improve is not by training absolute speed. It's by training the opposite end of the continuum.
0: Oh yeah, we're we we're, we're going, like, which
1: is absolute strength.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, we're we're right. Like uh, we just got conf- usually okay. in our conversation things get confused there. No, so uh, it's like, the distance.
1: I- there's a there's a whole bunch of water <laughs> between us.
0: <laughs> Damn you, world! But uh, <laughs> no, so like, sorry. What what I mean there is like so like if. If I if I'm a young kid like if I'm a young Olympic weightlifter like let's say that's going to be my sport I'm obviously going to train the Olympics from a young age yeah true so but if I play a sport where sprinting is like a field-based sport like I play yeah. hard since I was there and I'm going to have to to sprint so what I'm saying is like yeah you would you, you would train sprinting with that individual because it's part of their sport even though like they still can't like a nine-year-old when system, they well,
1: when they start the sport yeah possibly
0: yeah
1: possibly when you try to figure out again, another topic, another time, uh, their basic motor skills, where they sit in physiological development, et cetera, et cetera. But that dictates if you're going to give them sprinting or not. But I think where where you're not being clear, as you said, a young athlete, like, what do we mean? An eight year old or a 21 year old? Because the 21 year old, if they've been playing the sport since they've been 10, Mm. they don't need to do sprinting. Again, it's just just as an uncomfortable conversation as strength speed. Just because it exists doesn't mean you need to express it, especially if you're doing it all the time. If anything, what they need to be doing is the other end of the continuum, motor control and great muscle endurance into maximal contractions, to allow them to do that sprint repeatability, not at a higher level, but to recover faster between each sprinting effort.
0: Yeah, you see this so about sprinting
1: won't sprinting won't make them better at that.
0: Hmm. The, yeah, so should be clarified there on biological age versus training age is really what we should have yes. clarified in there. Yes. But yeah, no, you can see that with basketball players who have fantastic reactive ability, but they don't have the absolute strength to support it.
1: Yeah. So injured. what they what should be and 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 you know, and we we joke, right? Or well we joke, but people are uh you know, especially the young coach, because I remember being in that seat, you'd see like what a professional athlete is doing in the offseason you know, and as a young strength coach, you're like, that's tiddlywinks, you know, like that's bullshit, like he should be doing CrossFit, you know, and like, uh, power snatches, you know, and box jump rebounds. And, you know, because all you're thinking is like, what's in the sport? and What do they need to do? But do you know why they're doing dance and lying on the ground and doing floor work and dancing and capoeira and, you know, portal stuff is because it's all tendon work, motor control, you know, muscle activation and what's considered still absolute strength activity, mm. right? Which allows them to express what they do on the court most effectively. So yeah. I find it ironic that, you know, people hate on that yet really, you know, why should they be doing what the sport looks like? And besides the fact, like, you know, anyone who's really interested in basketball, um, it's not like they take an off season. I mean, these guys are playing ball a couple of hours a day, every day
0: yeah the, the one right thing,
1: shooting no, drills whatever you know
0: the, the one thing i will say on the sprinting thing though is just like technically like most field place athletes have horrendous running techniques so from a motor control or technical aspect it's still very important to train that that, that end of it because you can still improve technically mechanically yeah
1: yeah um i mean it's your work class athletes. least I, I think i don't have i mean i've worked with i've worked with field sport athletes but i'm not going to say that like i'm on that uh on that job all the time, but I'll just offer maybe a new insight into it. That I think a lot of um, non-contact injuries occur because incorrect lifestyle, improper conditioning protocols in the training, um, and the incorrect management of the strength training. Yeah, I don't think it's due to specificity of reaction and speed, agility, quickness, and sprint activities.
0: But I don't think the body's ready for that stuff. What stuff? Like the speed and the agility, I don't think it's robust enough to handle, but that.
1: but that's what you just said is you know it you 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 said that you think it's appropriate for training uh for that specific population, and I would argue that you could pull that specific training out, technical abilities of it, and I think the technique would improve if you have better proprioception, which comes from a better base of the c n s and freshness e,
0: that's if that's a limiting factor because if you were looking at sprinting so t- like the, the the sort of the way that well the, the way I know that like say I know Stu would talk about is to McMillan Altus and then also Nick Winkman, if they were looking at like just say pure linear speed we'll just say just for this example and something just wasn't right they would break it down into is it a mo is it well Nick uses the words is it a uh, position pattern or power which basically means position is is it a mobility or stability issue or what Stu would say is is it mechanical like is there an actual mechanical like deficiency that they can't get into the angles or positions that I want so like is it an ankle issue or hip issue or t-spine they actually can't hit that angle of, of propulsion that I want to if they do have that if they have cleared that uh, you do know that they have those records with joint motions and all that is it a technical issue then like do you they, do they not just understand what, what like the angles to hit and um, also if they can't get into those so if it isn't mechanical and it isn't technical Then is it just purely down. They don't have the physical capacities, which is you know, kind of to your point in that, like if they just got stronger, more powerful, then they could express a better technical model. So that, that's the way they would look at it through those three windows. Yeah.
1: yeah, for sure. But I think that, you know, you don't fix both of those by sprinting. This is, the, this is our point. Like if it's technical or mechanical, that's not fixed in a sprint tech, you know, setting. He doesn't, you know, I'm just to make humorous of it. Well, you don't make them run up and down the field all the time, go thoracic extension, thoracic yeah. extension. You know what I mean? Like it's fixed in a absolute strength or probably a proprioceptive environment.
0: If you, Does that make if, sense? Yeah, if, if you have, if, if it isn't mechanical and it isn't a strength or a physical capacity issue, well, then it is technical. Then it is actually technique you need to work on. But if it.
1: Yeah, if but it's technique in a, in a, in a non sprint setting
0: no does that make I mean, sense i don't i don't think i would agree with that okay no.
1: well give me the example you had said of uh you know thoracic extension or ankle positioning but like if you, um,
0: so if, if you have the mobility and stability if you have if it isn't mechanical so like just your your body can actually get into the position that we're asking it to get into and you do have you do have the motor control and absolute strength capabilities because we know that from your weight room numbers or from your general strength numbers yep then it's a technical issue. Like you're you, you just you're not you're not technically executing your skill correctly. But if you don't have the pre- elite
1: sprinter. yep. If you, don't have elite the, sprinter.
0: if you don't have the prerequisites of if it is a mechanical issue, well then we're putting a car for the horse. And then if you don't have the capacity to support a, te- a technical model, you're also putting a car for the horse. Yeah. It's like it's like telling a ten-year-old to get into a forty-five degree lean and accelerate. Like he's ten, he doesn't have the strength to do that. So he's he's not going to hit a forty-five degree lean and acceleration. So you'd be banging your head against what whereas so that's going to your point. If you just like well, natural biology would just even mm-hmm. it's, he'll sprint better when he's 12 and 14 and 15 because he's getting stronger as he goes along. But that's because he just doesn't have the strength to get into those angles and express it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. So uh, another time, cause uh, we, there's a lot to dig up there. I got a lot more questions for you uh, based upon that, that I think, you, know, we're lear- we're you learn- know, we just, we just haven't unfolded, but I got, a, I got a lot of questions. Maybe I need to get inside of those models and see what's being taught in it because in my head, unless you're taught, it's in my head, it looks just like the, ironically, the conversation on strength, speed, is that why are you working on those motor abilities if number one, they can't express it, and number two, it's not even necessary. So if we're talking about an elite sprinter that's in Diamond League and is gonna, needs contracts, yeah, I guess that makes sense, i.e. like our conversation on snatch and clean and jerk for strength, speed activity. But if we're talking about field sports, and these, we know these people need to understand how to move in a chaotic environment and be the most resilient as possible. I'm still going to come back to the argument on why sprint technique is important when I believe you know, capacity, better lifestyle, better styles of training, um, and the correct kind of environment in the sport that allows them to express that is probably the healthiest, not a sprint training program. So I, 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 would think. think
0: uh, yeah. I would think yeah. you have to do it concurrently. I like, get I me mean, into skill. So I don't, I, don't see how how like you need to practice the skill though.
1: Yeah, and that's going to happen in the sport.
0: Yeah, but like, but people field based athletes sprint terribly. They sprint all wrong because they're not. They're not taught how to sprint.
1: Maybe they, maybe they don't sprint wrong.
0: Uh, there's a there is research uh, from uh, no, I, I know, I know. You, what's his second name?
1: Do you know why I'm asking that question, though? Ken Clark, Or are we making that point?
0: Or J.B. Marin. Like, they've, they've compared the technical models of an elite sprinter to a field-based sprinter, and and they're saying the mechanisms, the difference is the mechanisms of why field-based sprinters get a lot of injuries that they do in terms of hamstrings and ACLs. So, like, a field-based sprinter has a lot more heel delay, mid-thigh deflection, strikes out from the center of mass more. There's actually James, yeah. James Wilds who's done a lot of research and acceleration between yeah. and field-based, field-based athletes.
1: Yeah, well, um, I'm not going to negate the fact that that's probably the case, but... That's a, that's a poor argument to say that's the reason why they need to have sprinting. Think about that. You're saying that because it was seen that uh, these things occur in the difference in a baseball player and an elite sprinter, that the baseball player needs to do the elite sprinter activity. That's like saying a CrossFitter is getting more injured because they don't look like a national lifting, weightlifting champion. So we need to do the program of the national weightlifting champion on top of the CrossFitter. That doesn't yeah. make any sense.
0: No, yeah, I think you're stretching with your argument there a little bit. No, nope, well, like, no,
1: I'm not. I'm using the baseball player, field sport. Yeah. Right? Baseball player, and I'm using Andre de Yeah. Okay? So, an elite sprinter, yeah. technical ability. Let's call, it, let's call it the 100%. So, he gets the 100% score, although he doesn't. But let's say he gets the 100% score in technical ability, right? I agree. I know so, what you're going so agree. The argument. So, the argument is saying that because this is what it looks like over here, ground contact time, you know, angles, et cetera, in a lab and, all the biomechanics that that means the baseball player, when they get injured, is because they don't look like Andre DeGrasse. Is that the argument?
0: No, no. The okay, argu- well then. The, the, arg- the argument is that, so the argument or the, the point is that the field based player's technical model could be better. It could be more like the grass. It's not saying it should be like the grass. There, there is a technical model to work towards. But the, the field-based player is still going to have his own individual bandwidth of movement. But,
1: but your comment was that the research showed that the argument was because they don't look like Andre de Grasse, that's why they're getting injured.
0: As in the technical model. The te- like, so the technical model of a field Well, then player,
1: why like, even have it if it's not the answer to what causes the injury? Otherwise, you should throw in lack of water.
0: Yeah, I, like, what, to me, if sprinting is part of your sport, you have to practice it.
1: And I'm saying that it depends upon the biological age. If you're a nine-year-old, you're practicing it, yes, maybe right from the get-go, because it's a biomotor skill. When you're 25, I don't think you need to because it's being expressed in the sport. And by training it, even under its technical pretense, it can be done within the sport and not as a specific skill, where absolute strength training by itself would help you express that most effectively and recover faster than if you actually did sprint training with that person who's scores 85% on a technical ability. And yeah, I like, think that injuries are a really poor way to dictate what people should be doing for that sport in training. Because as you know, 90% of most athletes have shit lifestyles and don't eat correctly and don't have a good training program.
0: Hmm. One thing I will say about the nine-year-old is that even if you, you spend it from nine-year-old to 25 and you've never been taught, like your technical model is not going to be good if you're a field-based player.
1: I'm going to disagree with you.
0: Okay, you disagree. So, but like with yeah. Olympic, Olympic weightlifters, they're taught to Olympic lift correctly from a young age. That's why they have nice technical models. But field-based players are not. There's no one in field-based sport that teaches people how to run right.
1: And that's a bad argument because weightlifting there's load and coordination. So as the load goes up, the more technically you're off. It has to get fixed, and it gets fixed at a lower age because you will not progress naturally. So you'll just stagnate. Mm. In field sport sprinting, it's an open chain environment. Open open environment. That means that you need to respond to chaos, right? So as you get older, load doesn't increase, right? That's the difference in weightlifting and improving it up and being technically inefficient for eight years. It never happens. It never happens. It happens with the kid who's following some YouTube champ for eight years online, but it never happens in weightlifting because as load goes up, a quarter inch means the barbell falls on your head. So you quickly learn, right? So you have to create changes in positions in order to make you really good at it. Otherwise, you'll just stagnate never past 100 pounds uh, once you're 14 years of age. But in most cases, it doesn't occur, which is another conversation, though, too, because it's, you know, I see a shitload of uh, coaches promoting a 14-year-old who just started to increase their body weight, and now they're like 14-year-old champion in weightlifting, but it's under the the tense, under poor technique. And anyways, it's a whole other conversation.
0: I know. It's interesting. So interesting. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much time you have left. We're on the hour. Uh, we, we'll Whatever. Wrap up. Yeah, we'll wrap up on this here. I so got all the time in the world for this. Go, <laughs> <laughs> go, going back to uh, the strength speed here, just want to touch in here. It has different ways to incorporate it then. So if we're saying that this is an individual who is in the sport of fitness, um, the different categories here is technique work with pulls, then it works into technique with moderate and intense complexes, submaximal so volume building battery test work, I'll, I'll re-mention these as we go along, uh, touch and go barbell, barbell cycling, and finally an integrated barbell work with aerobic mix work where it gets into like MAP7 work and stuff like that and the integration of it. So I don't, if you want to maybe touch on each one of those. So the first one was like, it's kind of like, you know, about technique work and pull variations. And again, now we're, at, we're at a position in our conversation of this is a person that deserves to be here or it's part of their sport and they also deserve to be there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would presume in that first stage that they have the absolute strength requirements They have great technique, and there's a reason why they're doing this. Um, And in that case, you are starting to move them up in percentages towards their maximum of, we'll just call it two lifts, a snatch and a full clean and jerk. And then now you're trying to figure out, as you get closer to maximums, where they sit amongst their technique when you move from the different stages of 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90% towards their single. And then playing in there, which is very robust and intense intense for the coach's brain you got to try to figure out where their limitations are imposed as you're learning that skill
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: so, so the, the second one was what
0: uh the second one then is tech oh yeah fucking sorry i hit the wrong out there yeah. back uh second one is technique then with moderate or intense complexes. so it seems to be like it was yeah a, that's was the progression yeah
1: yeah i just i just moved it up so uh, you know the technique thing um yeah, you're just making sure people can – the technique thing in strength speed is is a weird area too um, because you actually can't figure out technique unless there's the right kind of load relative to the 1RM. Mm. Now, the, the weird thing is you may not even know a 1RM. Just take the context that no one has ever done a snatch or clean and jerk, but they have the ability to be able to do it. And I know that's hard to think about, but – so they have the ability to be able to do it and express it, but they've never done it, right? But you have to have some kind of an idea as to what their maximum is but then that new maximum, if it's not 100% technical efficiency, it's not a true maximum right? because it's a compensated maximum. So mm-hmm. in order for you to practice complexes or skill, you actually have to have some form of a load in order for you to figure out what are the limitations in that skill. right? You can't work at 30% with a snatch and clean and jerk and figure out what percentages are going to cause a problem when you're 90. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. as you know, different loads change up different motor recruitment shit you know and different loads change up different positions and different loads change up compensations etc etc so this is another reason why gen pop shouldn't be doing it um it's too complicated for the coordination of all those things so i think that when you start doing that technical work um in argument's sake if people are going to do it for the sport keep the percentages high because it's going to tell you a whole lot about what are the limitations imposed in that movement
0: Mm -hmm. and then starting to build volume then into it so in the book here it talks about you know every minute on a minute format is a nice way to start building some volume introduce maybe some fatigue then to the skill acquisition of the lifts so um and i I think is it in this one yeah it gives it's saying that you know in mixed mold based sports you know you're seeing upwards of 40 to 60 plus reps you know usually within some sort of work pieces so um, yeah, maybe we're just not touching maximum volume and. and
1: you know. Yeah, because I, th- I think once you go beyond technical work and you're doing percentages, and let's just say it's complex work now, mm. um, you are starting to move now towards speed strength activity, because I place barbell cycling, in the context of it being used in the sport of fitness as speed strength activity. Yeah, yeah. I don't qualify it as strength speed. Mm-hmm. So and then if you're in grid you know, cause people just think, Oh, you know, I heard, I heard you say that sprinting is absolute speed. Well, in fitness speed under the context of absolute speed is when you're moving a barbell as fast as possible. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. It's not context to load. So for example, at the regional, there was a snatch and burpee workout, right? Which people remember who did it was horrible, but it was a really fast paced, you know, I think it was 175 male, 125 female snatch and then burpee over barbell. And I, you know, you had to do yeah. more and more and more yeah. time. Um, that's absolute speed for our sport. You see that because it has to be done as fast as possible. So then the practice of, um, barbell cycling is speed strength, a, a triple or a complex in weightlifting is strength speed. And a sumo deadlift under high effort is absolute strength. So do you see how, you know, we, we, it's, you know, in a different sport, the strength continuum changes. So I think where it's, yeah. And I think where it's a little wrong there is to say that barbell cycling and capacity work is strength, speed activity. It's not because it's really a barbell moved for different reasons. The further you go to that, right. You Mm -hmm. know? So especially when we talk about putting it into an aerobic setting, Mm. Um, it's actually not called anything under the strength continuum anymore. It's now called just aerobic contractions. Yeah. So we can't even classify it as strength speed. You sure you can call it a hang power snatch times 10 in six rounds, but it's actually not a snatch. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's, it's a, it's move a barbell from your hips to your shoulders uh, multiple times and keep it sustainable. That's what it should be called.
0: Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I writing that on a probe, what the? F-
1: yeah. I mean, we, we can come up with whatever you want, but, you know, we should come up with barbell names, you know, from a hang to an overhead position when it's in an aerobic environment, because then the public would get more recognition of it not being called the snatch.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. If a physicist was watching, watching this, he'd be just like, eh, it's, just, it's just work over distance. It's, like, it's just your... <laughs> it's a form of, a form of with load, work. right? Yeah, yeah he'd be like,
1: like, well, it's load and distance and repetitions, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just work. It's just a form of doing work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who's a mathematician as well, and uh, he would say the same thing. It's like, man, you guys are so far behind in that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just add yeah. the numbers up. First principles, people. He's the um, guy I do all
1: the arguments with when there's someone who wins an event. Um, and we oh. say the same thing, right? We're like, oh, he didn't win it based upon his body weight and the total amount of work done. This guy was really impressive, right? Came seventh place, yeah, but he did yeah. all this work, like, you know?
0: It's so funny because uh, yep. I, I did a lot of biomechanics this year between my masters and then oh, going, great. going through the Altus Foundation course. And th- like the first module Dan has to do with biomechanics. And like when you start reading, you know, but like particularly when it comes like to torque and like moment arm and lever arms, you're just like a longer moment arm, and you're doing more work, and it's just like making with taller people, skinnier people, It's just like oh
1: my gosh, then the in actual, fitness, it'll blow your mind.
0: Oh, and then you're like thinking the actual internal force is like that guy's actually doing more work. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So yeah, yep, it is funny. Aren't you? Um, I found this one interesting. The battery, battery based, um, battery based work in the fitness program design for strength speed. So this is where basically it was saying that. Uh, the set of reps or a rep with a lack of full recovery. And um, yeah. you'd say in the progression model, it could be building from 75 to 85% of the clients, one repetition uh, maximum. So, this is obviously when people are getting fairly advanced and they have good sound technical models and absolute strength capabilities.
1: Yeah, that's built on the premise that they have a good amount of volume. I didn't say aerobic capacity or aerobic built, right? They have a good amount of volume built and they have um, expressed under great technical prowess all of the movements and they have had great technical ability of all the movements in multiple percentages then now what you do we call it battery um, and the reason why we we call it that is that it really comes from the context that you would know in your physiology around phosphate recovery yep. and the ability for you know so I call it just the charge of a battery so if your charge goes back up a lot faster than another person Why does that go back up faster than another person? It's largely due to your genetic predisposition, the intent of the activity, your mitochondrial ability, and your what we call aerobic potential, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the aerobic potential has to be great before you want to practice this battery style, which is basically in essence for different strength coaches listening, it's density work. It's like saying, do a double at this percentage, rest as much as necessary to come back and do that double that looks really good. And then over time, I'm just going to shorten the rest period between those doubles. That's, mm. that's battery work. Mm. Um, and what we've seen ironically, and the reason why we need to train it in fitness, for those who are not in the sport of fitness who would find this fairly interesting, is that if you were to take anyone within a weightlifting setting and say, do a single power snatch at 88%, um, then the, the atypical coach with a higher training age of this athlete would go, oh, they would need around you know, three to five minutes to recover from that. And the interesting thing is that within our sport, even with people who've been training for 10 years and are at their highest maximal potential, they can recover within seconds of 88% to do that exact same technical lift effectively over and over and over and over again. Mm. So this is the interesting difference between a fitness athlete and someone who's doing weightlifting for force production. The fitness athlete can do it under the same technical prowess, but recover faster between repetitions at really high percentages. And that's not just gender based. So that's what we call lower neuromuscular efficiency, you know, is is presented as being a very uh, positive thing within fitness, where within uh, weightlifting, you possibly want someone who's really high efficiency, because they could possibly exhibit higher activation of the motor unit pool that requires seven minutes rest after a single, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, if that makes sense. So that's why we do battery work. Cause it's very specific to the sport in case mm-hmm. people are wondering like, why would you want to decrease rest? It's like, well, you have to practice that specific skill, which is called battery. Battery is a skill.
0: How to integrate barbell work then into mixed aerobic work? So it's just saying here, each of these sessions, ten minutes design pieces of work, also known as Map Seven, which is covered in depthly in the CCP course. So um, yeah, and again, this again is kind of it's kind of along along the progression. It's getting into more sort of higher order training. So these are very qualified yeah. people to be able to do this.
2: Yeah,
1: it's now called. It's now should not be called. It should be out of a different conversation now, Robbie. It should now be called how to do mixed modal aerobic work. Hmm. um because we're not even calling it a strength speed activity anymore
0: yeah it's
1: a a barbell that's moving through space over a period of time yeah that makes sense
0: i was just about to say this isn't strength speed now anymore no it's not Yeah. yeah but you still need to have that prerequisite in place of you know absolute strength strength speed before you start touching on this cyclic barbell work mixing with aerobic
1: I don't think so. If it's repeatable and sustainable, because remember, we're not calling it, you know, it, this is where language screws it up. Like mm-hmm. what's the difference? What's the difference in moving a 25 pound barbell for 20 times per round in for 15 minutes, you know, are we going to call it a snatch because it's not even a barbell, you know, So all, all of a sudden we use a kettlebell or, or use a goat bag and people are like, Oh, that's not uh he's not doing snatches anymore. It's like, well, what do you want to call it? You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, If it's repeatable and sustainable, um, they can do whatever they want. That was, that's always my context is that, um, people can do snatches in Metcons, no problem. But if you keep it repeatable and sustainable, it's not called snatches anymore, right? It's just called moving a barbell through space in an aerobic atmosphere. You see that? So sure, go ahead and do it. If your technique is great. But like I posted on Facebook the other day, just because you do each of those snatches effectively, doesn't mean that when you start dropping power, it's called snatches anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a good movement anymore. Even though they look good, you're now in an unsustainable atmosphere. Yeah. IE four rounds for time, hang power snatch, right? It's a Metcon four rounds for time, hang power snatch times 20 burpee times 10 run 200 meters. Okay. And then every round they come back to the second round and now they can't even do like four in a row of the hang snatch so per round their their power ability is dropping tremendously mm. for the overall amount of work right mm. so now what they're teaching is that snatch whatever we're calling it in an unsustainable environment which is going to result ironically in worse ground worse force development worse technique right just because and people are like but no all the reps were good james you mean looking good yeah they were all good but they were all in an unsustainable environment so now they've time stamped Fatigue and lactate training on top of that snatch, which mm-hmm. is not the way that it's supposed to be improving force development. It if that makes sus- sense,
0: it's meant to be sustained. And actually, the wording yes. of it was really good. It was sustained aerobic power. And I was like,
1: sustained. "Oh, nice! Yeah, that's great how, wording."
0: That was worded in the in the ebook. So again, that ebook will be in the show notes. Um, and as you can see, me and James have lots of topics for our future. Episodes. Yeah,
1: I uh, hope you took those down.
0: Older generation. Some great, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The sprint training one specifically. I oh, the, got, uh, got, the got, kids kids weightlifting. I hope you took the notes. Some I've got notes more
0: on. I've got more to ask you, sir. Okay, good. Reading materials? What are you reading at the moment?
1: Uh nothing. Um I just had a, a great um uh, Atlantic um uh, episode show up. So I get it online and, uh, you know, I, I just like, I, I read everything, right. Every side of the political spectrum, everyone's views. I love reading it. And ironically this one in the Atlantic I've been waiting for because it's a fantastic article, um, on the heading is it's a little strong, but the heading is, um, your daughter is 13. Uh, she wants hormone replacement therapy. Uh, she says she's trans um, and what do you do and that that you know that that's a very it seems like just a current political topic today, yeah. but that's a massive you know for someone who's interested in me like i'm interested in evolutionary biology and biology itself and you know kids i've got two young girls mm. um it's just a fascinating topic to me as to how to narrate and uh, navigate amongst that uh those things that are happening today. Right, without judgment of any position.
0: So, uh, I know, anyway. I'll and just... I heard
1: of Ireland's new, uh, I read up on Ireland's new uh, um, uh, abortion uh, laws and yeah. uh, all, the, all the stuff that's coming down the pipeline over there based yeah. upon uh, some of well, the moves you guys are making.
0: The vote came in there at the end of May, yeah, the referendum.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, funny one, um, not to take your steam on it, but uh, Sharon Preet recommended that one to me a couple of years ago. And then uh, one of my coaches was like, "James, I'm going down south." Oh, it was Matt Connolly? He's like, "I'm going down to Spain or something for three or four days getaway. Like, throw me a book." <laughs> and uh, I read that one. Uh, he, he, I gave him that one to read, and he was like, "You know, you almost, you almost made me stay down there um, when I was away. Yeah. Uh, it was so, it was so powerful for him when he was on. He, he expected just something he could just fly through, but it was." it could be very depressive depending upon your perspective of where you sit right now so heads up
0: yeah yeah um matthew walker's book finished that as well oh, you'd, awesome. re- you'd really like that one so you would so he did, I would he did a two-hour a brilliant two-hour episode with joe rogan
1: um, yeah i was so fascinated with people's surprise by his information yeah you know, i was so I was nice. more surprised by people being like oh my god you hear this guy he's like, you know, so TJ Wiley did a great, uh, uh, sleep, su- sleep uh, lights out, lights sleep out, sugar yeah. survival. Yes, Wiley, I yeah. mean, that, that's the, that's the, that's the kicker. That she and Sapolsky's one.
0: She wrote that in 2000 and everything she predicted has like come true in terms yeah. of it. So she wrote about like, how- she was vilified oh yeah
1: oh she was persecuted because of that
0: but she she wrote in that book how circadian mismatches are are massive well it was well she was arguing that they were the causes where people were like this is coming out with that she was saying mm-hmm. that they're massive driving factors in cancer cardiovascular disease depression and obesity and like all of it's been proven right <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh just off uh, evolutionary biology you'll love these two i got these in the library so i'm reading this at the moment life's greatest secret so, the race, oh, to, the, the race to Crack the Genetic Code. It's actually quite oh, I like interesting.
1: That. I like the title of that.
0: Um, this one's even better, though. This was uh, one of Jack Cruz's recommendations. Nick Lane, The Vital Question. How life... How life. It was a, the, why is life the way it is? So, he goes through, like... He's, he's all, like... We, we know, like, how... The, a lot of how. But we don't know why. Why is it that way? Like, we, we make good predictions of how life can be. We have no idea why it is that way. So, mm. it's, re- it's super interesting. Really.
1: So, it's probably, like, Sapiens because uh, he's had a good uh, uh i guess an overarching idea of why things came to be
0: yeah but he's digging more nick Lane's gone like more down to like the actual like molecular biology of, of okay yeah like, okay so he's, he's talking about like um bacteria and archaea and how they came together like how the mitochondria came into the cell and you mm. you, you eukaryotic cells and all that type of stuff so okay yeah it's interesting awesome all right so just for the audience there's there's my reading material there's james's reading material so if you do have a daughter who's 13 and she's trans james is the talk to at the moment
1: not right now i haven't read it yet oh but right. her view her view is going to be an interesting one for sure <laughs> i've heard it, it's right. well written
0: so from myself robbie burke and from James gerald and the topic of strength speed and we'll have lots more topics coming in the future as well on many other areas uh, that's it for me james anything to say to the listeners Happy no
1: here? thanks thanks robbie for your questions it was great
0: Yeah, it's a great conversation. All right, guys, do that.